in 15 years, I don't think people will think of Walmart exclusively as a store. I think people will think of Walmart as a brand that has a store, but is a digital destination. Walmart is hands down the most important and impressive retailer on the planet. It operates over 10,500 stores in over 20 nations and employs over 2 million people globally. On this episode, Walmart's director of partnerships, Justin Breton, joins me to provide insights surrounding this mass retailer's cutting edge approach to attracting the next generation of consumers. The Walmart that I'm working at today also feels very different than the Walmart I grew up with in the middle of Maine. 20 years ago. It was remarkable to hear Justin explain how Walmart has leaned into providing its customer base with live concerts in Roblox, specifically tapping celebrities like Youngblood and Madison Beer. Their efforts to monetize digital assets, including apparel and accessories in the future to create new and sustainable revenue streams and building out a vertical of live stream shopping to appeal to the creator class. There's just so many unknowns, but if you don't move now, you kind of like lose the risk of being a first mover and learning, and then you're playing catch up, and then you're kind of like always behind. It was truly a pleasure sitting down with Justin and spending time with him, learning about his goals and objectives to transform Walmart, our nation's biggest and arguably most important retailer, into the store of the future. Justin, I am so excited to have you join some future day. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have you today. When we first met, I thought you were a true visionary as it relates to technology, your vision as to applying technology into the world of retail and at such a massive scale. So before we get into Walmart specifically, I'm curious, how do you envision the future of retail as all of these new technologies are entering the marketplace? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. Um, It's great to see you again, and I'm excited to be here. You know, I think I'm fortunate to be on a team that is tasked with thinking about like what's next. And the way in which we think about like the what's next is really as it relates to Walmart or re- really retail in general, is like, how do you engage with customers outside of the traditional four walls? And by four walls, I don't just mean, in this instance, a Walmart store. I mean, beyond the website, beyond the app. And as we think about these emerging platforms and these new technologies, they really present an opportunity for us to meet customers in new ways and give them opportunities to engage with us in a way where we're adding value, it's maybe shifting their perception, and hopefully it's leading to them making purchases at Walmart. And so as I think about like the future of retail and the value these emerging platforms and new technologies can bring, I think it's, it's actually quite grand. And I think you're seeing many brands uh, adopt these platforms and technologies probably faster than ever before. And I think they're learning and they're optimizing. And I think what you're seeing is that customers are actually responding positively. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and so I think this 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 landscape uh, is is very exciting, which you alluded to, as you said. Like I, I, I appreciate you calling me a visionary, um, I and, and I, I think that there's just there's so much opportunity, and and I think we're quite frankly like just at the beginning of it. So when you talk about meeting new customers or introducing new customers to Walmart or the retail landscape, there's always this default in the marketplace: technology equals young, technology equals Gen Z and Gen Alpha. I call it Gen Alpha. Is that really your goal here? Or do you feel like technology can speak to every age profile across all the demographics? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's an opportunity to use these platforms and technologies to speak to everybody. I mean, with with Walmart Land on Roblox, which was which was our big launch last year in this, this space. So Roblox is certainly an established platform when you look at the number of, of users that are actively going onto the platform daily. 
But it is emerging in the sense that their technology is advancing pretty rapidly. More and more brands are creating brand destinations on that platform. That particular platform skews young, but is starting to age up. And so when you have conversations with people, they immediately say, well, Roblox is for kids. But if you look at the data, it's actually starting to skew older. So more than 50% of people on Roblox are actually older than 16, despite what people think about that particular audience. Yeah. But as you look at what brands like Bloomingdale's have done or what Lacoste has done with building their own virtual destination, those are actually skewing much older. And when we meet with these platform partners to just get an understanding of what 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 partners are doing in this space, it it is suggesting that, you know, when you build something for an audience, if it's built with the intent of adding value, they will come. And that audience may, in that instance, actually be older. Um, and so I, I do think these platforms and technologies can actually like span the spectrum. But it, you know, if you want to show up meaningfully, you got to like play into the audience. So when we show up on Roblox, we're talking to that audience. But when we show up on other platforms or if we use other technologies, it might be a different audience. But collectively, it's valuing the brand. So it's really interesting what Roblox has done beyond the brands that you name dropped. Certainly, they've skewed older and I think a different profile of customers as it relates to brands that they've launched with, you know, for example, NARS Cosmetics, Gucci, Aloe Yoga. Um, In fact, the Aloe Yoga exercise on Roblox, I think is super compelling. What they've done is they've created this land or this environment, this immersive experience called Aloe Sanctuary, which you must be familiar with. Oh yeah. And what they're doing is they're encouraging positive behavior for their customers. So you go into the sanctuary and you meditate. And if somebody's participating and they meditate a certain amount of times, they're actually rewarded. They're gifted with a digital piece of merchandise. For example, their goat, their iconic goat jacket has now been gifted to over 500,000 users. NARS Cosmetics gave away to um, almost 100 million individuals, a color palette that could be used to paint an avatar. So from your perspective, when you interact, when Walmart interacts with the consumer, are you trying to create additional value through new merchandising experiences and through new digital immersive experiences on the Roblox platform? And if so, how? Yeah, what a great question. And I love the examples that you you referenced. Very familiar with Aloe and very familiar with um, what NARS Cosmetics did. And, and they're a bit, very much a big fan of, of what they were able to, to launch and, and how they've engaged with the community. So I, I love that those are the examples you used. With Walmart land, we, we very much put an emphasis on experiences over like products. And so what we built was very much anchored in key insights that were shared with us by Roblox, key insights that we were able to gather in partnership with with partners that were helping us um, develop and and effectively like launch this experience. And and what we found is that like self-expression was really important. And so we created experiences that aligned nicely with that. Shared moments or shared experiences were important. So we created experiences that aligned with that. One of them being a virtual music festival uh, that launched two weeks after our initial launch, we invited Young Blood, Kane Brown, and Madison Beer into the experience as virtual performers who performed in a virtual music festival. And if you're like, I don't know who those people are, that's good. That means that I did my job. Um, <laughs> Come on, everybody knows Young Blood and Madison. Yeah, oh my God, there you go. Yeah, I actually uh, heard that Madison Beer is coming out with some new music, and yes. everybody's touting that it's going to be massive. It's going to be her breakthrough moment, apparently. Oh, good. Well, I hope yeah. so because yeah. she was lovely to work with, and it was Amazing. great. It was great to give her fans an experience in this Walmart Land destination. And again, like we really put an emphasis on experiences as we look to evolve our presence on the Roblox platform and we use our learnings from this initial launch, I think the way in which we engage with the community will probably evolve. And so experiences will always be a part of it. But how do we actually start to use learnings from what we've done, but also learnings from brands like Aloe Yoga, Nars Cosmetics, and other brands on the platform who have had great success uh, to, to effectively give the community something that is sort of this sweet spot of all the things that they desire on that platform. And in that instance, it's a younger demographic. So Justin, in in regards to 
let's take, for example, the self-expression component. What value does Walmart have when it connects with a consumer and gives that consumer the ability in Walmart land to express themselves? What we did was we effectively took categories that exist at Walmart, so fashion and beauty, which are often closely associated with self-expression. You're wearing clothing, you're putting makeup on, and and you're doing so in a way that um, is representative of who you are. On a platform like Roblox, you know, currently I have dark hair, but I, in a virtual version of myself, could have pink hair, could decide to wear skirts, could decide to just be somebody that I'm not in the real world. And so in Walmart land, we kind of celebrated that and encouraged people to try on virtual items from various assortments from Walmart. Uh, We created experiences aligned with beauty that sort of like loosely associate, were associated with self-expression. We created this like big beauty obby. Um, For those of you listening that don't know what an obby is, it's an obstacle course. But that obby was made up of oversized versions of products that are available at Walmart, all targeted to Gen Z. So it was almost like, here's a virtual experience that's that's loosely aligned to self-expression, featuring products that maybe you didn't even know Walmart sold, like AF94, which is Halsey's beauty brand. But Walmart's a destination for that product. And so we almost used it as a way to drive engagement, but also create awareness through that lens of self-expression of us as a destination, one virtually, but also physically and digitally for these goods. So that's some huge stuff that you're talking about, literally. Like when you talk about star power of Youngblood and Halsey and Madison Beer and beyond, do they participate with you in helping shape those experiences and in connecting at that expressive way? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. I mean, like we had like Youngblood and Kane Brown and Madison, like in a studio in LA wearing one of those like cool full body suits with all the little dots that track movements. And, you know, they would perform a song and they would say, that didn't feel right. Let's do it again. Um, And we would show them like how their moves were translating into what would effectively be their avatar. And so they had a hand in sort of like what that avatar looked like. They very much were involved in uh, the process of designing what they wore on stage. Each of them changed what they were wearing on stage once. So they had their opening act outfit and then they had their closing outfit and they, they were very involved. And so it was great to be able to give somebody like a young blood, Kane Brown and a Madison beer, like a platform to reach yeah. people globally. Um, and, and, it, you know, I was in the concert when it was happening and like, people were like, Oh my God, like, thank you, Walmart. And like, that felt so nice. Like that was like, so this is exactly what we were so, hoping. So like focusing on, yeah. So focusing yeah. on that, when you say that's what you were hoping for, like, yeah. is what is it that Walmart or a brand could gain from that emotional connection, right? When that fan, whether it's a, a Halsey fan or a Madison Beer fan, makes the connection in a Walmart metaversal space, what's the carryover to Walmart? Does that equate with regards to stronger brand equity, stronger brand awareness? Is there a transaction that occurs with it as well? Yeah. So with with Walmart land on Roblox, like what we found is that people that engaged with the brand on the platform had a 10% lift in brand favorability and a 21% lift in likelihood to recommend. And so people that were engaging with us outside of the traditional four walls were maybe pleasantly surprised and uh, enjoyed the concert experience, had fun during our holiday update. Like there was something that happened on a platform that they love with a brand that maybe they thought one thing about, but this virtual experience actually helped shift their perception of the brand in a, in a positive way. And so quite frankly, like, I mean, there were things that we did that were complete misses that like probably made people think differently about Walmart, but then there were things that we did that were home runs that maybe people think differently about Walmart in that lens. And so I think through this initial launch, we learned a lot and we're going to use that to inform again, like what we do on future platforms and with new technologies. But overall, I think it was really effective at, at, at driving positive brand favorability. Justin, like when you say there were complete misses and you can mm-hmm. learn isn't isn't the metaverse really a space now consumer facing like i know the i know the retail trade publications and the retail media could be a little brutal at times but <laughs> yeah. 
Aren't the, the complete misses consumer facing kind of accepted these days? Like they understand that Walmart's putting themselves out there. They're taking a risk to enhance my experience with the brand. And it's okay for it to be, to tinker a little bit. Like what, do you see a difference between um, a complete miss that's consumer facing versus like the way that, you know, this, this media moment is um, behaving? Yeah, that's, I have to probably be careful what I say because um, I have so many thoughts about this. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to say it, but like we have a target on our back. Like we're easy to pick on. Um, right. we, we, we can do the, the biggest gesture in the world and it, it would be perceived as not enough. Um, and so we always, as we enter new, new platforms or we test new mediums, uh, know that whatever we're doing might come with scrutiny, but we have to do it because we have to learn. And the landscape of social platforms is constantly going to evolve. New technology is going to continue to introduce, be introduced like AI. These platforms like Roblox and Fortnite and Minecraft are going to continue to grow. Like we have to show up. And so like when I say complete miss, I mean things like you know, we didn't have in our first experience like a, a strong gameplay loop. And what we learned pretty quickly is that you need that because that actually like drives repeat visits. That also drives uh, higher time spent in the experience. And so we course corrected and we added that in. And, and that was always our approach with the initial rollout, which was like, let's not do zero to 100 with this rollout. Let's let's slowly roll it out to learn as we go. And And, and that's what we did. But I think like when you looked at the metrics and you you would compare against other experiences, like we were a little bit behind. We caught up, but those types of things, uh, you know, you kind of have to do it to know. And so while I think you're right, like people kind of like are forgiving and I think yeah. that the community on Roblox is very forgiving, they're also very vocal. <laughs> so like when we know. launched... When we launched, and they're also I felt like creators, I was, right? They start kicking yeah, off all totally. of their own videos, like, in-game criticizing yeah. the different experiences and all, exactly. right? The influencers came after you a little bit. Yes. I mean, it was funny. Like we, I mean, like there were thousands of videos about Walmart land before we even launched because like Amazing. the virtual item we were giving away at launch, like leaked somehow. And I mean, there were just thousands of videos. I mean, it was like, nothing i had never seen anything like it before and i was like this is wild this is millions of impressions with no dollars behind it and it is people are excited and then we launched and then people went into the experience and you then had thousands more pieces of content on youtube and tiktok and twitter and you know some of it was good some of it was bad but all of it was extremely helpful in making us smarter and ideally, like, you know, we want to be a brand that is like community driven. Like if you think mm -hmm. about Walmart in the, the physical world, like we play a really important role in communities. Like we give back to communities. And and and, and I, I think like that's what we need to try to manifest in these virtual worlds, which is like, let's take our brand loves in the real world and actually manifest them virtually. So on an individual level, just going back to your concept of self-expression, it's kind of interesting to see the evolution of a platform like Roblox or Minecraft or Fortnite, where people from all over the world, strangers could engage. And if you go back like 10 years ago or so, um, adults were scared that their children were going to meet people with bad intentions. There was like always this guarded thing, but it seems mm -hmm. now that it's turned into something that is fairly safe and it gives individuals the ability to, as you said, appear in a way that they want to appear, whether that means putting on makeup or wearing a particular dress, or, you know, perhaps it's a, a, a person that identifies um, as a girl, but um, mm -hmm. wants to, you know, in the real world, doesn't feel comfortable yet dressing like a, sure. like a girl. Don't you feel like we've shifted uh, as as a culture and as a society now, and part of that shift is because spaces like um, Walmart Land in Roblox provide a safe environment for self expression, and doesn't that strengthen the relationship between the consumer and uh, the Walmart fan and the brand? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, and and I think that like 
just the pl- the Roblox platform in general, and, and even like a Fortnite or a Minecraft, like I, I think th- those platforms, based on my knowledge, and I'm certainly not an expert in this, but like, you know, my knowledge of these platforms is that they take security like very seriously. And, you know, like Roblox has just recently like rolled out some some new policies around like tagging experiences as advertising versus not. And if it's tagged as an advertising, no one under the age of 13 can come into it. And so like it is becoming a, a platform that's becoming even more transparent. But to your point, like there are there are 60 million plus daily active users that are going onto this platform. Maybe they're navigating into brand experiences. Maybe they're going into their favorite game, but like they are able to be who they want to be. And I think parents feel comfortable with them being on these platforms because of the safeguards that are in place. But yes, when somebody navigates to a brand experience and that brand experience gives them something that allows them to be who they want to be, I think that that is very rewarding and it's a mutually beneficial reward. It's rewarding to the user, but it's also rewarding to the brand because it's a positive experience. And I I think we want to like continue to like make those moments happen, be it that example you shared where it's somebody that's coming in and they can express themselves as whoever they want to be, or it's somebody coming in and like, again, just having a really fun time yeah. with a positive experience with the brand. And like, those are real big wins. I agree. I agree. I mean, so did you expect to have millions and millions of visitors? I think the last stat I saw was 18 million mm-hmm. people partic- participated in Walmart land. And like you said, you had all this additional influencers creating content. Is that something you expected? Did that surpass your expectations? Because those are big numbers, even for the biggest yeah. retailer on the planet. Those are really impressive numbers. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, and I should say like, you know, like we are not, the, we're not the biggest experience on the platform. There are other experiences that have, have bigger numbers, but like, sure. I, I, and we, we, we sort of did our research before we launched to say like, these are the goals that we're hoping to achieve in this time frame. These are the tactics that we're going to use to hit these goals. And, and within two weeks, we had surpassed our goal significantly. And, and, and we had sort of set our goal on a, on a monthly basis. We were like, in, in our first month, this is what we aspire to achieve. And I think the number was like 5.2 million. And within two weeks, we were at 7.4 million, um, right. something like that. So, so it, it felt really great to, to say like, well, people are interested. People are coming. They're engaging with the brand. All this content's being generated. What I... So, so that was, that was, that was, I think like the plan, like we were hoping for that, um, certainly have exceeded where I thought we were going to be at this point in the experiences life stage being Congratulations. at 18 plus Thank you. Um, what I did not expect is all of the user generated content. Like I just did not see that coming. I didn't realize how, like, th- that's just a part of that generation's lifestyle. Like they right. are creating content about their avatars in these experiences and they are blasting it out daily. And, it, and, right. and I, I just, I didn't realize that that was such a thing. And I mean, the amount of content, like I said earlier, that was created in such a short period of time just was mind boggling. And so we started to actually use that in our, to benefit our efforts as we introduce new things. So can you expand on that concept a little bit? Yeah. So we so we launched and we saw all of this content get generated, which was which again was really exciting and unexpected. Um I always like to say this, so I'm just gonna say it. Like there was a video from a very prominent and popular YouTube gamer about Walmart Land that was the number one trending gaming video on YouTube within 24 wow. hours of our of our launch. And he did a full review of the experience and he was very constructive. Like he didn't go in and say, this is bad. Or, you know, he was like, wow, they did a really good job in their first kind of, to your point earlier, people being forgiving and and thoughtful about like brands are trying. And, um, he, he created this video and there were millions of people that watched it within 24 hours. So what we saw was with all of this user generated content, as we introduce new updates to the experience, when we would include a free like user generated item, which uh, is basically like a free virtual item that you unlock once you complete a game and experience. And, and it basically becomes something that you collect. You collect these virtual items. You can wear them on your avatars. Every time we would introduce a new virtual item, it would the flywheel of content would start. 
And so we started to sort of like tease that new virtual items were coming. And we would see a spike in visits and searches. And then the second that that item dropped, the content would immediately follow. And you would see a significant influx of visits to the experience. And of course, we were using our learnings from our initial launch to improve the gameplay loop. So we saw time spent increase. We saw repeat visits increase because, again, we were like using those, those, those learnings to inform these, these updates. But that started to become a part of our strategy. And so we released four additional virtual items. And there's content about each of them, which, which is great. Do you have a, a number or can you share a number with regards to um, when you started to plateau or peak with regards mm-hmm. to the amount of time fans were spending in Walmart land? How much, how much time was that? And you know, is that more valuable than just, is the immersive experience and the time that people are in there playing and socializing and expressing themselves more valuable for Walmart than producing a you know, broadcast television commercial and speaking at the consumer? That's a really good question. So our peak time spent was after our final update, which had a, so to contextualize that, when we first launched, it was you know a fantasy island in the sky. Uh, this, the island looked like the Walmart Spark. So there were six Spark arms or what we called aisles. When we launched, two of the six aisles were available. At our final launch or our final rollout, which occurred at the beginning of February, all six of those aisles were basically live. And there was a cross-world, cross-Walmart-land scavenger hunt that led to people spending 20 minutes in the experience. And what was great is you went from sort of this like serenity aisle, outdoor experience, to the beauty, obby, to the entertainment aisle. So it was a great way to sort of showcase the full world um, through gamification. So we peaked at 20 minutes. That was like our highest time spent. And we kind of hovered around there for about 20. I mean, that is huge if you that's think a huge, about huge number yeah that's massive it's massive and, and and you know that was like peak so like our average is significantly lower than that but i mean even if you look at when we launched time spent being you know it, you know it hovered between like three and five minutes like that Great. is a lot longer than somebody looking at a tiktok video or an instagram sure. post or anything on social platforms like that is a lot of time spent with a brand and so i think this younger generation Gen Alpha, Gen Z, like they are going to put more of an emphasis on like acts and not ads. And so when you are in a virtual experience and you are engaging with a brand through their acts, I think that that is going to be more beneficial to a brand than like a 15 second spot during the Super Bowl, which is easy to, you're you're competing with so many other people. You know, know, your audience isn't nearly as captive as when they're in your experience. So the benefit for the brand then in that immersive experience is versus broadcast television is the fact that the consumer or the fan is there longer and they're uh, participating, experiencing the brand versus being spoken to. Is that, is that your point? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, like the idea of like, you know, these acts and not ads, is like sort of how we like to talk about the work that our team does, which is like, how do we story do and not just story tell? And make sure, yeah, to your point, that it's like, you know, this captive audience that's engaging with you versus like potentially watching a commercial and being on a secondary device, like in Roblox. What you're saying is like the Walmart community really did create a full experience with your company, with the brand. Like they helped shape it. They helped create yeah. the communications. They participated early on. They had You took on some feedback and pivoted and adjusted to enrich that experience, which, you know, clearly the numbers show that, that you um, re- were rewarded with those decisions. It's pretty interesting. I think one of our biggest learnings is engage with the community sooner. Like this is a space where there are so many people that, our creators that have great ideas, that are building their own experiences, that are creating their own virtual items, like there's no reason why they shouldn't be a part of the evolution of these brand experiences because they have so much value to add. Um, the same way 10, 15 years ago, brands started to engage with influencers on social platforms. And you think about the evolution of that, I mean, that's a whole huge ecosystem. Um, And I think we'll see something similar on these platforms. 
Beyond the marketing value and the positive consumer sentiment that Walmart benefited uh, from from building in the metaverse, uh, was there a monetary payoff? Was there a commercial component to it all? So with our first foray onto the Roblox platform, there was no sort of monetary element in the actual experience. So you weren't buying virtual goods. You were through meaningful engagement or meaningful experiences, you were unlocking in-world currency that you could use to basically buy these goods. And so that was a strategic decision to sort of like use our first foray onto the platform to get a foundational understanding of like, how do we build an always-on evergreen destination uh, that effectively could support monetization. We did, however, launch a partnership with the Roblox gift card team that we launched in December of last year was the first of its kind where when you bought a Roblox gift card at Walmart, you unlocked a free virtual item. And that free virtual item had a special feature in Walmart land. And so what's so great about that is it ties the sale of a physical good, the gift card in this instance, to something meaningful in a virtual experience. And as we think about continuing to evolve and and, and learn in this space, how do we go deeper there? And what is the intersection of like virtual to physical? Or how do you take something that you're buying digitally that then you get physically that then also manifests virtually? Like there's so much opportunity. And I think we're a brand that is set up to do some really fun and innovative things. And so um, that test in December led to an always on uh, sort of partnership where we promoted the Roblox gift card, the free virtual item uh, on a monthly basis. So as an agency, We are often talking to our clients about building out these URL meets IRL verticals. Yeah. And you're touching on that a little bit, but I think what's even more interesting to get into with you right now, since you made that connection back to the physical gift Mm -hmm. cards, is this concept of what I refer to as an infinity loop between the digital Walmart experience and the physical Walmart experience. And I wonder in your in your uh, planning, did you think a little bit more as to how the consumer that's already at brick and mortar can then enter the metaverse and have a richer, deeper experience? Um, we often see a lot of retailers just replicating like a, a four-walled in-store experience, go in and it's pixelated, buy some flip-flops, buy a t-shirt, buy a hoodie and get out. But we love the idea of enriching almost in like a dreamlike way where if one of your core values or pillars of a brand is um, music or art or you know health and wellness, can't you enhance that in the metaversal space to build a stronger infinity loop? So those those values and benefits are not exactly the same in the physical realm as well as the digital realm, but the consumer's lives could be enhanced through this infinity loop from Walmart brick and mortar into Walmart land and Roblox. Is that something that you've been thinking about? Yeah. I mean, like we are always, I'm going to say a word and I don't know if I like the word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fidgetal, like we hear that said a lot, which is like, what is the physical digital intersection? I think like, I'm going to try to make up a word. Actually, no, I'm not because this is being recorded. But like, what's the intersection of physical, digital and virtual? And like, how do you actually create that infinity loop? And how do you tie those three things together in a way that feels really meaningful? I think one of our biggest learnings with with Walmart land, and, and, and I think you were kind of alluding to this as you were talking about like the pixelated experiences that you've seen and these like four wall experiences in store that maybe just like feel a little bit like copy and paste versus like truly pushing yes. the boundaries and being innovative is like whatever it is that you're doing, you have to add value to the customer's experience. You can't just do it to check a box because if you do, it doesn't resonate. And so as we think about the connection between virtual, physical, and digital, we're also always asking ourselves, well, just because we can, should we? Like, does it actually make sense? Are we adding value? And I think like what we're finding is that like, there is a lot of opportunity to connect these. And I think this is not so much a, a, a physical to virtual as much as it's like a physical to digital. But you know, one of my my colleagues works on all of our experiential strategy. And then we popped up at something in the water festival in Virginia Beach earlier this year. We partnered with her team to support 
a digital extension with a product drop that was supported with a live stream. So what's great about that is that the physical activation is obviously for the people that are at the festival. So you've got however many people are at the festival, 50,000, 75,000, but the live stream gives it scale. And then you start to reach millions of people and you're giving millions of people access to a limited edition product drop that is done uh, that was that was done by a local artist, so it ties it back to the West Virginia community, and it's displayed on site in the physical activation. And that was a really good, I think, example of like that cool loop where yeah. you're creating physical moments with digital extensions. People then become interested in the festival, and it, it was a really good experience. But again, like, how do we actually start to think about physical, digital, and virtual, and what that intersection is to create that loop. So what do you think the consumers like Gen Z and Gen Alpha, what do you think they could expect from Walmart, right? Like the Walmart that I know from when I was a kid is very different from what you're describing right now. It's like really exciting what you're talking about, this concept of, you know, live streaming, metaverse, digital goods, physical goods, live concerts in the metaverse. Like we'll, 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 the you know the fifteen year old that's in the Midwest or in New York City or in Miami perceive Walmart as you know the cool place to go if I want to go and see you know the hot concert and then have exclusive access to physical merchandise kicked off from that concert like is that part of of the game plan for Walmart? Honestly, like I the Walmart that I'm working at today also feels very different than the Walmart I grew up with in the middle of Maine. 20 years ago, like it, it, it's just, it feels very future forward and, and very much. And, and obviously that stems from like the, the leadership that, that is at Walmart currently. And, and they are very, um, open and willing to test and learn. And, and William White, our CMO, he is fully supportive of, of my team and our efforts to engage with younger audiences and communities and and using these emerging platforms and new technologies to do so. And so I think you are going to continue to see innovation from Walmart. And I think you're going to see a shift in perception of Walmart in that I don't think in, in 15 years, I don't think people will think of Walmart exclusively as a store. I think people will think of Walmart as a brand that has a store, but is a digital destination that has not just everything, but has your thing. And is a digital destination that has live content, that has virtual experiences, um, but also outside of our own destination, we're meeting you on platforms like Roblox. We're meeting you on platforms like TikTok. We are uh, talking to you about products via a creator or influencer that you know and love because they're a part of the Walmart creator program. So I think that Walmart is going to start showing up in more and more places, and that's going to help shift how people think about Walmart and the ways in which they want to engage with Walmart, which is huge. I'm very, I feel very fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a very lofty and exciting vision. I love it personally, especially where I sit in the community, but as you tap into more and more people, right? You already are the largest retailer in the country, probably the world. And now as you expand your your base by scaling through the use of technology, do certain risks come with that? Um, for example, uh, Walmart is a very family-oriented, wholesome environment. It has a, it's always been, you know, Sure, there's criticism, but at the core, like it's an inclusive environment. It's it's a fantastic place. the The Walton family is super impressive with regards to their vision and what they've built. It's incredible. But what kind of risks come as you are kind of giving the keys to the kingdom to some of these people in the community to creators? Like, what happens if if they say something that could be perceived as if it's coming from the brand? What if um, you know, something happens with some of the user-generated content to promote a vertical within um, the metaverse that you're hosting. Um, how how are you taking on these types of risks as you expand the community? Yeah, I mean, that's another great question. And I think like as, as we test onto new platforms and use new technologies, I think all of that comes with risk. Um, I think as we expand our network of creators, there's certainly risk. You know, I think all of the people that are supporting these various initiatives, like, are using their best judgment and best practices to to de-risk what we do. Um, but of course, you know, 
you can never you, you never know what will happen tomorrow. Um, and so it's hard to um, it's hard to to of course like move forward knowing like we're one hundred percent you know safe and this is a de risk experience. But I think you have to you have to keep testing and you have to keep but trying. All brands have that issue now as as they open vis a vis yes. the metaverse, Web three, AI, all of it. Do, doesn't every brand face that type of headwind? Yeah. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I think like even with with AI, I think there's just so many unknowns. But if you don't move now, you kind of like lose the risk of being a first mover and learning and then you're playing catch up and then you're kind of like always behind. And so you, I feel like you got to kind of have to move now, take that yes. risk, but do that risk in a smart way for your brand and business to hopefully provide the customer with value uh, that drives conversion. Uh, but as AI evolves and the scrutiny of AI either goes up or down, the legislation around AI gets worse or better. Who knows, right? But you gotta. I think you gotta move now in order, at least as it relates to emerging platforms and new technologies, to be a player in the space. So let's segue. Then you started touching on on the live stream shopping. On, yeah. on I think you call it Walmart Shop Live. I think it's a in a. Is it a joint venture or a partnership with um with? Is it called Shop Live? It's so no. So it's um where it's on Walmart.com now. We two weeks ago. Oh. Fully transitioned, yeah. This 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 Walmart live shopping destination onto Walmart.com proper, which is great because we proved the value. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's a huge shout out to my team who does a lot of the great work of bringing those live streams to life. It's great that like we were able to, you know, we first launched shoppable live streams off platform. Our first was with TikTok in December of 2020. We then tested on TikTok again several more times. We expanded to include Facebook. We tested on YouTube and Twitter. We're continuing to go live on all of those platforms. But we also developed our own branded destination with the intent of starting to build like a catalog of content aligned to beauty, home, fashion, home improvement, and bringing in our celebrity brand ambassadors, bringing in our supplier partners, and giving them the power to effectively go live demo their products, tell the stories about their products, talk about why they chose this pattern for their product in a way that feels very authentic and relatable. And that destination just recently transitioned from the URL you referenced, which is Walmart Shop Live to walmart.com backslash live. And it's all there now. And it's it's really fun and exciting. And even with that medium, we've learned a lot. It's interesting because that medium in places like China have been mm -hmm. explosive with regards totally. to revenue now for years, since before the pandemic, for years. Are you starting to see momentum and interest picking up in, in live stream shopping on the Walmart platform? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we're seeing continued growth, which is great in terms of viewership and time spent. And then I think like we're seeing continued interest from our supplier partners and celebrity brand ambassadors. And so Everyone is, I think, more aware of what shoppable live streams are today than they were two years ago, which is great. I think there are obviously like some pretty significant differences here in the States versus what you're seeing abroad in Asia in terms of shoppable live streams and the um, like the super app, you know, as, as I'm sure you are aware of like the super app, uh, sort of, I don't know how to even describe it, but like how everything lives in one app <laughs> abroad and, and you're getting your delivery done there and you're arranging for your laundry and you're chatting with your friends, but that's a lot where a lot of those shoppable live streams live. And so you've got everything there, your payment information, your shopping yeah. information. We're trying it's to take, it's frictionless, exactly. And so we're trying to take like things that we know work really well there and apply them here. So with this transition onto walmart.com, it's now frictionless in that you're adding products to your native walmart.com cart. If you're a Walmart Plus member, you get all those benefits. Shipping is waived if you spend more than $35. Like it's, we're, we're slowly working towards what we believe is the North Star based on what we're seeing abroad in China. So do you expect um, for like the traditional live uh, shopping networks, QVC, HSN, you expect them to disappear in years to come, given the fact that we'll continue to see growth with this type of live streaming, not just from Walmart, but from... Yeah. You know, all over the place, right? We're seeing publishers develop live stream networks. We are seeing right. more and more brands adopt the medium. Actually, QVC and HSN both have digital shoppable live stream 
channels now. Like they are supporting this medium and meeting their customers where they are online, be it Facebook on a a branded destination um, and effectively going live digitally versus exclusively on like a linear TV. And so I, I think, Honestly, I think the more and more people that that embrace it, it's it's mutually beneficial. And so I'm always excited when I see. I think I saw like Poshmark uh, earlier this week announced that they were starting to do. That's like, really exciting. Streams. I mean, that's yeah, really amazing. Exciting. Do you see certain product categories really outperforming the other product categories? And if so, like which ones are you seeing success yeah. with? Yeah, I think like like beauty makes a ton of sense when you think about shoppable live streams. You start with a blank face. You've got five to ten products. And by the end of the live stream, you've gone from a blank face to a Halloween look or spring glow, whatever it is. And you're seeing how the products can actually be used to create a particular look. So in that instance, you're demoing the product, you're talking about the product features or ingredients or benefits, if, if if that makes sense. But you're also seeing like the final product. So before and those after, products right? used together, uh, before solution. and after. Exactly. So beauty makes a ton of sense. I think fashion also makes sense. But when you're doing fashion, it's really important to have a diverse set of people on set so that the way in which this sweater looks on me might be different from how it might look on, you know, my cousin Jason or my best friend Matt. And so you have to have diversity in terms of body type and, and skin type to make sure that like if people are going to buy something through shoppable live stream, they have the confidence to do so. So, um, so on your live stream vertical, are the people that are selling people that are they employees of Walmart or is that open to anyone's participation? So we've got a whole sort of roster of, of partners that are going live. So we have uh, like celebrity brand ambassadors. So for example, Drew Barrymore, she sells her flower beauty products at Walmart. She sells her beautiful home line at Walmart. So she's going live from her talk show studio uh, after hours, and she's talking about her products. And she's, you can buy this at Walmart. She talks about why she chose certain colors. So she's an example of a, a celebrity brand ambassador. We also have supplier partners, so Heart Tools. So we, they said beauty is a great category. Another great category is home improvement. And with Heart Tools, they're going live every other month, and they're effectively doing like a DIY live build-along. They're using their power tools to build these items. Um, and you're, again, seeing a before and after. And the items that they're creating are easy to create at home, and they're showing their products in use. Um, so that's an example of a supplier-led activation. We also have Walmart Associates. And so we have Walmart Associates that are going live from their stores. uh, And it's great. It's giving them a platform to show their expertise of the products that they're selling for a seasonal moment, a particular category. Um, And and it's been really fun to see the six associates that we're working with, like their stars rise. Like, I think they were nervous with their first one. on, On the upside financially? They, they do not financially get any sort of commission from that, but it it's a part of an existing sort of Walmart associate program uh, that the local social team runs where we have these spotlight champions across the country at different stores. And uh, this is basically like one of those opportunities where they're able to basically like be the face of the brand. And these are people that have raised their hand and said, I want to be a part of this program, this program being the spotlight program I referenced. And then these six associates that we have been working with have, have just like really loved this medium. One of them is a journalist major. So this has been just like great experience for him to like be in a live setting because these are truly live uh, to field questions from people that are watching live. What's um, and the so, viewership yeah, like, like for that, for that young associate, that, that soon to be mm-hmm. journalist, like how many people is that individual speaking to? How, how, how big are these live streams? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they, they, obviously it's a spectrum, right? So like when we're going live with Drew Barrymore, she's, she's drawing her fans, right? So she's bringing them in. There's a paid media attack. There's a whole strategy, right? To bring people in and support those live streams. So those numbers obviously skew a little bit higher, but our associate led live streams, which have similar media tactics supporting them are bringing in anywhere from 25 to 50,000 people over the course of, of a week. So you've got obviously the live moment, which you know, we think about a live stream, we think about that live moment. But what we like to tell people is that the value of these live streams is actually like the content because that content lives on. 
And that content can be distributed across walmart.com. People can come back and watch it. Like, for example, the home heart tools example I referenced. You might watch that live stream on Sunday when it's live, decide to buy a couple of those products to round out what you need to do the DIY project, order them online on Monday, get them Wednesday, and then on Friday and Saturday, do the project that you watched on Sunday. That's great. Because that video content still Again, works. it's an immersive so, experience for the consumer, it is, right? Yes. It's, it's like, again, you're modernizing, you're delivering through technology, but you're modernizing in both cases, in Walmart land, as well as in, yeah. in um, the live stream uh, vertical, consumers are participating, they're doing, mm-hmm. they're acting with the brand. Yeah. It's again, it's like outside of the four walls of Walmart. And to be able to give a fan of Drew Barrymore or Reed Drummond or Ashley Graham or John Legend, the opportunity to like ask questions live and to get your question chosen and have it be answered by somebody that you love. Like that's another one of those examples of like, that's a really positive brand experience. What did John Legend say? John Legend has a skincare line at Walmart called Loved One um, that, yeah, that he launched earlier this year. And so he- it's doing great. And and I think he enjoyed like the live stream medium. It gave him, you know, of course, of course there's ads and there's a social handle and there's content that's produced to talk about the values of the brand and the ingredients. And, you know, they've done a great job of building the brand, but this is him sitting in a room with a partner, just talking about the why and the ingredients. And it's, it's not scripted. It's like so authentic and relatable, which is why I think these live streams are resonating. And so um, the brand is doing well based on my knowledge. And um, I'm glad that he chose us to partner with to talk about it. So Justin, it's so, it must be so exciting for you to be able to have like such massive star power to activate these innovative verticals. So you have, you mentioned Halsey has product at the store, yep. Drew Barrymore, John Legend, who else? Sophia Vergara, she's got a jean line um, at Walmart. That's also that's also very successful. Um, my gosh, who else? We have a long roster of of celebrity partners who, quite frankly, like kudos to our our merchant team who is meeting with these potential partners and 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 brokering relationships with them that are mutually beneficial and exciting. And you know, we've been a partner of Free Drummonds for many, many, many years. She's a partner of the Walmart Live platform. She's gone live with us, right. I think, six times. Um, do you but ask I think, the merchants? Like, do you ask the mer- I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you ask the no, merchants okay. to like consider your verticals now to activate the celebrities? Like, is that part of the negotiation when you're bringing celebrity lines into the into the the community? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's like one of those things where it's like it's a differentiator for us. And so, you know, in some instances, somebody might come to Walmart, but they might also be going to Target. They might be going to Amazon. They might be going to Walgreens and they're trying to get the best distribution deal that they can get, which makes sense. Everybody should do that. Um, I would do that if I had a product. Maybe someday I will have a product and I'll have to do that. You will. Yeah, I will. And so, you know, when they're having these conversations, if our merchants can say like, we'd love to collaborate with you on something virtual in our Roblox experience, if nobody else can bring them that, that is going to get their brand in front of a younger demographic. Will you let uh, the celebrity monetize like a digital wearable or some sort of a yes. digital asset? Because that scalability could be, that could outpace anything in the physical realm, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's 100%. Right? That's 100% how we're thinking about it as we think you about- you have any like, of that planned yet? Um, I cannot say what's to come, but maybe, um, in season two of your podcast, there will be a lot for us to talk about. That's what I I'll say. <laughs> yeah. We have five um, minutes left and I, I didn't get into like creator, which I wanted to do, but, um, before we end, can I just ask you a couple of questions that are like lead-ins for you personally? Yeah, okay. of course. It doesn't necessarily have to fit into Walmart, but like as an expert, as a leader in tech, Justin, I'm curious, let's play with the word some future day, right? The show's name. Okay. So in your mind, some future day, in some future day, retail will be? Some future day, retail will be the convergence of commerce, content, socializing, and experiences. The second thing I wanted to ask you, again, going back to tech, and this is a Justin question, it doesn't have to apply to Walmart, but in some future day, 
because I think often, let me, let me just, get, let me tee it up for you. I often yeah. think in terms of like these connective technologies, you might've heard me talk about these concepts mm-hmm. where what they're doing really is creating communities and networks that aren't necessarily in the four walls of, of Walmart or in the four or, or within the walls of Roblox. But these connective technologies allow for people all over the world to come together with shared values, with you know, similar missions and goals. They don't have to be in a box. So to me, um, autonomous vehicles and, electro- and electric vehicles are really important and play into connectivity. So for your mindset, and this could play back into like, again, the physical shopping experience or, or the digital shopping experience, but in your mind, in some future day, automobiles will be? In some future day, I believe retail parking lots like Walmarts will have a value add purpose to automobile owners, specifically those that drive electric vehicles. I love that. All right. I got one last, one last, uh, one last singer. One last some future day. You ready? Yeah. You see I'm sweating. (laughs) So in, in some future day, so, you know, some future day was actually inspired by, um, I loved literature. I still do. But when I was young, I loved James Joyce. And and the concept of future day is where the names, where I came up with the name some future day. It was a James Joyce concept. Cool. Let's turn technology on its head a little bit. In some future day, the metaverse will be. In some future day, the metaverse will be democratized and be accessible to everybody, which I don't think Those, it is today. So I'm hoping that in the future will be. You don't think it is? No, I think, I think what I think is that it's like, for example, the way in which people describe the metaverse is, you know, it's, it's, it's not defined, right? I think like the way in which we might describe it is different than other people. And sure. so with that, I think it makes it confusing to people, which I think inherently makes it feel not accessible. Like my mom, I can't even have a conversation with her about it. I was like, I'm launching something on Roblox. And she was like, is that like Nintendo? And I was like, I can't do this. Um, So I think like as more and more platforms evolve and you'll see some of the work that we're going to do later this year, the intent with some of that work is for it to be truly accessible. Meaning you don't have to feel like I'm not a gamer. I'm not a Roblox player. I can't use that. Like it's meant to be almost like a 2.5 in a slowly evolving 3.0 world, if that makes sense. So education is a big part of that. Like here's something funny. Like I was talking to an old close friend of mine last night, this guy named David. And he was like, always like this sci-fi futuristic, like we looked at him like a weird, he was always a weirdo. Like he memorized every Star Trek, every Star Wars, like Battlestar Galactica, like he was that guy. And I yeah. couldn't have a conversation with him about the metaverse and Web3. He couldn't understand the value of minting an item on a blockchain. He was literally mm. asking me, it came in the context of, he wanted to know if I wanted to purchase a Jackson Pollock, an original Jackson Pollock from his parents. And I said to him, you know, is there a certificate of authenticity? And he said, yeah. no. And I said, it might be a good idea for you to consider creating an NFT yeah. to, you know, to back up that real world asset. And he couldn't get into it. So like, and he's, he's like scientist, sci-fi guy. So how do yeah, we get yeah, yeah. that next generation, your mom, my friend, David, like what, where's the learning curve? How do they, how do they learn? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I I think like it's it got to be like super easy. Like you got to almost like, like with, with some of the stuff that we're exploring and, and, and the way in which we're talking about it internally, which is like around like democratizing access and making it more accessible is like, it's, it's just got to be easy to begin with. And it, it already will feel immersive and it will feel innovative and it will feel new. And everything we do is going to be high fidelity and we'll look to do innovation and, it's not that we're only targeting an older audience, like the intent is to target a broader audience, but the value to each of those respective audiences might be a little bit different and that will be intentional. And so I, I, I think like there, there's just so much confusion, confusion, which is like leading to people's reactions where they're like, I just don't want to touch it because they're, they're reading things that maybe aren't true or right. their perception of it is, is, is wrong. Um, but I think like once things become easier uh, and, and it becomes more accessible, I think people's willingness to do things will change. 
But brands I like, hope. you know, but fashion brands, like as you're aware, like I know you have good taste, like mm-hmm. luxury brands and um, cool like fitness brands from Bulgari to Tiffany, from Vuitton yeah. to Dior, like just this in the past two weeks, we've seen launches from totally. literally Louis Vuitton and Dior, like incredible launches. They're all embracing this technology. They know yeah. that it's there. And, and it's not, you know, like when Louis Vuitton launched those $40,000 boxes, that's not appealing to my 15-year-old son. You know, frankly, that's not even appealing to me. I can't buy that right now. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's, people know that we're on the cusp of, you know, I think mass integration of this technology to enhance people's lives, to enhance experiences, mm-hmm. to create more value on different multiples. But we got to get over the hurdle of, of education. I think the best way to do it is like when a company like Walmart comes on board and they're creating these platforms for people to participate, whether it's in the metaverse, in Roblox, live streaming, the creator vertical. Also, I wish we had more time because I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. Just people learn, integrative learning, experiential yeah. learning, I think is the most powerful tool to get more generations and more people to, to come on board and adopt. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what we're here to do. Educate. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know your time is very important. So thank you so much for joining me today. For ongoing insights surrounding these important topics, you can join the conversation on my social media channels, including Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, at Mark Beckman. And to sign up for my newsletter on Substack, you can find me at markbeckman.substack.com. To make sure you don't miss a show, be sure to subscribe to Some Future Day across all major platforms worldwide, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Special thanks to New York University for producing Some Future Day, and a big shout out to my producer extraordinaire, John Boomhofer, for being patient and always encouraging me to push through. Thanks a lot, John. Have a great day.